Man, it's been a long time since I've preached a sermon. Thanks. For those that are visiting, we've finished with our evangelistic series for, I think it was five weeks. In some ways it took a long time, in other ways it really zipped by fast. We celebrated 15 baptisms and professions of faith. We've got another series of them, November the 8th, coming up with six or seven baptisms. And uh, we're still reaching out. We have next week, we have a baby dedication of little Andre Nagel. You want to be here for that. And uh, there's no collecting of dust underneath my feet with all the things constituency meeting tomorrow for the conference. A lot of things that needs to be done. I've been uh, trying to share with, with Craig. He's been wanting to learn how to put together a sermon. And I've been sharing with him pointers. Now let's see, it's opening story, three points, and a poem, and then quit. Is that right? I've got to remember, see if I can remember how to do it. I've got something that I really want to share with you that uh, keeps me up at night. It's not my wife. It's uh, kind of what's going on in the world today. You know, there are a lot of churches that don't want to preach anything about end-time events or what's going on that affects all of our lives, any preparation. They just want to make you feel good. Well, I'm not here to make you feel good. The Lord never asked me to come to uh, feed you cookies and ice cream. Sometimes we have to eat sauerkraut. Well, if you like sauerkraut that well, maybe I better change my illustration. So let's get down to brass tacks this morning. If you take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 13, nothing that's new to Seventh-day Adventists, but it gives us a starting point. Revelation chapter 13, we might as well start with verse 1. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1, beginning with verse 1, verses 1 through 8. And I, that's John, who wrote down these things, so stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. In prophecy, what does a beast represent? Okay, it's a, it's a government, it's a entity that comes up, a king beast coming up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on the horns ten crowns, and on, the, on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and a mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him the power and his throne and great authority. Do you remember ever seeing animals like this somewhere else in the Bible? Back in Daniel. Okay, just checking. 
And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they, what's the next word? They worshipped the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. They worshipped Satan who gave authority to the beast and they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blasphemy his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now we're talking about this taking place in the context of happening before the second coming of Jesus. And the world is going to come to a point to worship this entity who desires worship. It represents a government, but not just any government. It is a government that is both church and state combined together. Has great authority, desires worship. It is seeking to do its own thing against God. And then there's another beast that we have to look at in Revelation chapter 13 that rises up. Look at beginning verse 11. So another beast coming up out of the earth that had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast that we just read about in his presence. That means they existed at the same time. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship that first beast whose deadly wound was healed He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of them. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast, to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell except one who has the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. This other beast is going to come up. going to also have an influence on the world. And if you remember from our meetings with uh, Pastor Jones, we took time to see that this second beast that comes up out of the wilderness is whom? United States. I'll let him know that you was listening. We're not going to take time this morning to really to take a look in great detail at these beasts. Uh, because it would just take 
a long time to deal with each one and, and uh, I've got something that I got to get into but this is just a part just kind of an opening here and if you're interested I do have a few handouts for those not those of you that are know all about this but for maybe visitors who are visiting here and saying where do you get the United States out of this I do have a few handouts for you at the end of the church service if you'd like to get a copy of it but here's what I want to focus on this morning. The United States of America has, and you can agree with me, has an influence on the rest of the world. What happens here in this country affects Siberia Joe, not Joe the plumber, I knew someone was going to say that. It's too cold to have plumbing in Siberia. But Siberian Joe, it affects his life and the lives of many others. Great influence. How can it have such an influence on so many people? We read it in verses 16 and 17, but let's look at it again. This beast causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, you probably fit in there someplace, to receive a mark on the right hand and on their heads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark in the name of the beast. Can't buy or sell. We're talking about control of the people through the economy. I see heads shaking up and down. Let me give you a little taste of the future, okay? Ellen White long time ago went into a vision and was shown what would take place just before Jesus comes. I want you to read, I want to read to you this description she wrote. It's taken from the third volume of Selected Messages, page 428. I saw her people in great distress, weeping and praying, pleading the sure promises of God, while the wicked were all around us, mocking us and threatening to destroy us. They charged us, that's God's people, they charged God's people with taking an independent position. In other words, not willing to follow the norm that the rest of the world. Taking an independent position from all the rest of the world. They had cut off our, that's God's people's, resources so that we could not buy or sell. How's that possible? To have such an influence in the entire world that the people, in seeing God's people, and, and we read that if their name is not written in the book of life, then it's going to take a look at this and they're going to say, 
because you're not like the rest of us, because you don't believe the way we do, because you don't do things the way that we do things, we're going to teach you, we're going to, to cut off your ability to be able to buy or sell anything. You can't buy anything from the grocery store. You can't go out and have a garage sale and sell anything. You are being excluded from all of this. How is that possible? I believe that within the last few weeks, we are beginning to see how it is possible to have such a control over the people by what's happening in the world's economy right now. We have all felt the effects of the last few weeks. Some people who are sitting in church here today are looking for employment and cannot find it because businesses are closing. Stores who are major corporations like linens and things and they're talking about uh, Circuit City and other big corporations are going to close their doors, can no longer exist because of the economy. People are being laid off. Small, uh, independent workers are laying off individuals now who have worked for them for years because they can no longer afford to be able to get the money, to get the loans, to be able to pay their employees. They're being laid off. We're seeing that. It's affecting us right now. A few months ago, if you remember... And I had someone that brought it up to me this morning and, and uh, she was sharing what I had said to some of her friends that the pastor already, our pastor already talked about how everything that took place at the Great Depression we look at that's happening in the world today is doing exactly the same thing. And I said that at the beginning of the year before the economy was falling apart and they told her, they said, uh, is your pastor a prophet? Well, I'm not a prophet, but it doesn't take a prophet to see what's taking place in the world today, and it's not good, and it's affecting us. The, the government is not going to quite come down to a point to admit that we're in a recession, although some say we're definitely in a recession, where others are saying we're in a depression, I don't know whether we're in a recession or a depression, but something's happening not just here in the United States because what's taking place here in the United States is also happening in all other countries around the world. Our banks are falling apart. Their banks are falling apart. Our businesses are closing. Their businesses are closing. Our stock markets, I no longer have a 401k, I only have a 2k. <laughs> stock markets is unbelievable. It's falling in larger numbers than what it was back in the Great Depression. 
But not only here, but in the stock markets around the world. In Japan, in Great Britain, in, in Australia, in, in all these countries, their stock markets. And it's all because of what's happening here as well too. And so it's having an effect all around the world. But here's what's a little bit different than what it was back in the Great Depression. Back in the Great Depression, so I'm told, I didn't live back then. When the Depression was hitting, it was affecting other countries as well, too. The United States and other countries tried to meet together, just like we've been doing here lately, and trying to say, you know, what are we going to do about it? And they all had their ideas, and their ideas were all different, and they tried to unify, but they didn't unify. They all had separate ideas and all did separate things and never unified and never wanted to associate and to say, you know, you're right, we're wrong, or whatever. But now the United States has united with many of the top financial governments of the world with an economic plan and with the agreement that they are all going to stick together with the same plan for the same purpose in all of these countries and not change. So what happens in the United States will also happen in Great Britain and Japan and Australia and France and all these other governments. They're all unified together in the same cause. The second thing is that trillions and trillions of dollars are being poured into economic institutions that have been operating on greed. The people, they have been out to get our money for year after year after year. We don't even know where this trillions of dollars is coming from. Because there's nothing that is there to be able to say, this is worth something. There's nothing that's worth anything. They're just going to create this mass network. I heard it explained on on the television, on the news, it's the computer that's creating this amount of money, but there's nothing to show for it. In other words, the computer is controlling the money. And they're all in agreement, and it's working together. And so all of this, we are told to trust in our governments that it will all work out. It hasn't worked out yet. They said that there is, there is a way to pay back the majority of the money. What majority of the money? Did you know that a lot of these trillions of dollars that are being sent, that are being given to banks, is actually the government buying shares of the banks. The government is getting into the banking system. When the government gets into a system, they tell the system what to do. we got a problem. Because the government doesn't even know what to do. But they're telling now, they're buying into the banks, 
They are becoming the shareholders of the banks. They're saying, oh, it's only temporary. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen the government get into something that's only temporary? Once they're in, they're in. And when they're in, they control. If you don't do what I say, we cut off your funds. And the banks need these trillion dollars of funds to make up for the mistakes that they have made because of their greed. And so they're going to say, come in. But it's not only happening here in the United States, it's happening in all the banks all around the world. Governments are buying into the banking system and telling the banks what to do and how to lend the money. You know what really bothers me? Great Britain has already done this. And the Prime Minister of Great Britain has told the banking system, now, we're giving you this money. What we want you to do is to go back to the same amount of loans that you were handing out, if not more, than what it was before you financially fell. Is that a rescue from the problems? That's what got us into the mess in the first place. If governments get into the banking system and can tell the banks what to do, can they tell who to give money to and who not to give money to? You better believe it. Remember when we switched to that dreaded 55 mile per hour speed zone all over the United States? And states didn't want to do it. Do you remember what the federal government said that if they didn't do it, what they would do? We're going to cut off your funds. And all of a sudden, those state government says, Oh, praise the Lord, come in. We want your money. See, they can't exist without the money. It's going to happen. It's happening on a worldwide basis right now. Does that bother you? Redemption is near. These united governments have not only given money to institutions that take it, but now these institutions have been using that loan to spend on their lavish outings while the rest of us watch our retirement 401ks plummet. They get to go on a great outing and be catered to and, and bed over and treated like royalty while we're losing our very life. And some of us are not going to be able to retire but have to work and work and work because of what we've lost. But the government is taking out shares in these same greedy banks with the claim that it's only going to be temporary. With the government having shares in private financial institutions, it's not just banks. It's all lending institutions. 
It's going to be in businesses as well, too. They're going to be able to tell them what they can and what they can't do, who they can lend to and who they cannot lend to. And then they say, trust us. It's for your own good. It's only temporary. We're watching out for your best interest. I think James has something to say about that. He talks about the greed of those running our financial systems. Take a look at James chapter 5, if you would. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the weepers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. That's what big business is doing. That's what business is doing. Instead of helping the laborers that they hire, they want all for themselves. They don't care whether they lay off people. They only care about their money and their greed. That's why they cringe when they hear the reports about company leaders crying out for governments to bail them out, and when they get it, they go out on these outings and then they come back to the government and says, we need some more. I believe that soon the greedy and the government will say to the world, we want you, the rest of the people, the common people. But they're really going to say, we want you, God's people, to do as we say. We want you to follow and do whatever we want to do. Or else. So what should we do? I mean, we've got to live. We've got our families. We've got to take care of our kids and our grandkids. There's a good book that a lot of you probably have in your library, but you very seldom get out. It's a book called Adventist Home. Pages 393 and 394. Make a solemn covenant with God that by His blessing you will pay your debts and then owe no man anything. 
Deny the indulgence of appetite. Save your pence and pay your debts. Work them off as fast as possible. When you can stand forth a free man again, owing no man anything, you will have achieved a great victory. I believe that if we remain in debt to live a lifestyle that we think that we should have, we are going to be controlled by the banks and the governments and the big businesses and they're going to be able to say, we got you over the barrel. You can't pay your money to us, we own you. I think the time is now for all of us to begin sacrificing and paying off the debts that we owe. Even if it means having to sacrifice a lifestyle that we're not used to. It was amazing. My wife and I, were, we were watching uh, CNBC, I believe. Jim Cramer, have you ever watched him? He's the one of the tells about stock markets and everything else. You know what he said? He said, it's time now for people to pay off their debts and to live a lifestyle like we used to live back in the 1950s where we stayed home for our entertainment. We never went out to eat because there wasn't very many places to go out and to eat in. And we had our entertainment and we enjoyed our families at home. That's what he said. Someone says, oh, that's a leave it to beaver type of lifestyle. Maybe that's what we need to do. Brothers and sisters, we are, we are splitting our families in so many directions and going in so many places and running around so much in the world today, we are spending so much money on gas, we are so spending so much money on entertainment, we are spending so much money on fast foods and restaurants and everything else, it's time to get back to the basics and get reacquainted with our own families again. It's time to sacrifice and to reveal to the kids that maybe they can't, we can't afford an iPod anymore. Maybe it's time to be able to say we're going to have our own entertainment and it is going to be a nature hike or it's going to be to get together with groups of others and to do things in a good, wholesome, family-loving way. Maybe it's time that we sacrificed and didn't drive our cars but we walked where we needed to go. This Jim Cramer said, you know, it's time to stop getting in the car and driving down to the corner to buy our fast food and bring it back home or just eating it in the car. We're wasting money. We're wasting time that we could be with our families. And we're certainly not getting a nutritious meal. Sorry if anyone owns Burger King franchise. 
Maybe it's time that we started sacrificing and changing our lifestyles. Maybe we need to get back to the lifestyle God intended for mankind to live in. Families are to be families. We're not to go into debt. Do you remember what they used to do in the Old Testament after a certain period of time of people who were high in debt? You know what would happen according to God? There was a time where debt was all forgiven and you started all over again. That's what God wants. He wants debt to be gone. He does not want us to be slaves to debt. My wife and I have decided that we're going to do everything possible to be able to get ourselves out of debt so we owe no man anything. And that might even mean, if you see a for sale sign in front of our house, it's not meaning that we're leaving. It may be that we're going to get into something that is not as costly and to be able to pay off our debts. We've decided that. And we're not going to get back into debt and into that slavery again. And we're going to slow down our lifestyle. I haven't seen it yet. But we're going to slow down. We need to also take the advice from the Apostle Paul. Take a look at Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. talking about not being shamed of the gospel of Christ. Verse 17 says, For in it the gospel in Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just in the last days will live by faith, not in their bank accounts, not in their government, not in their own power, but by their faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, now's the time to start pouring on our faith. Isaiah says that those who learn to live by faith, their bread and their water will be sure. Let me tell you something. It says the bread and water will be sure. It doesn't say ice cream. I'm glad you said that before I said it. Ice cream and soda pop. We've got to get back to the simple way of life and to cut back. But we've got to live by faith. He promised that he's going to see us through, clear through to the end. I've got to believe that he can do that. How he's going to do it, I don't know. It may take the ravens coming and dropping little pieces of bread while we're laying next to the brook and drinking out of the brook.
We don't have to rely on the government to say, if I cut off from you being able to buy or sell, you're not going to get any food. You know what? I'm going to get it because God is going to supply all my needs. Press together. It's one of the reasons why we're, we're putting a uh, basket out there. It's not just for Thanksgiving. There's going to be a time, there's going to be many of us, and I think it's very soon it's going to really start feeling the crunch. And we may have to help each other out. Those of us that have may have to be able to give and press together for those who have not for a while. doesn't mean that they don't have faith. It means that God's going to work through us to be able to help them and to get through. Because someday we may be fed that way as well. Now, I'm not saying to have a mass panic and everybody quickly put their house up for sale and everything else. I'm saying, by our faith in God, if this is where God leads you to do something and to make a change, then go with your faith in God and be led in that direction. Don't do something because it says the pastor told me to do it. You never do anything that the pastor tells you to do even getting up and going to the potluck before I do. But you've got to be able to learn to step out in faith and you realize this is what God is telling me to do. Because it's that faith that's going to save us. Ted? That's right. That's right. So that's why I'm I'm saying don't rush right out and go see your real estate agent after sundown. If God reveals to you something, but I do think that you need to begin to make an effort to begin to do something about your debt and to change your lifestyle so you no longer live beyond your means. We can all begin to tighten our belt buckles in some way or another. You know, your reason that I can face what's going to happen tomorrow is because of the faith in the one that really lives in my heart today. I just wonder if you feel the same. If you do, if you seek to have the Lord take your unbelief and change it into great belief, and if you feel the need to make changes not only within your life, but to begin to learn and to be willing to step out and to live a life of faith, would you stand with me as we sing our final hymn, which is hymn number 526? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's the type of faith that we've got to learn to live and to exercise today. Hymn number 526. Yeah.
Wave again. Some people didn't see you. All right. Tonight at 6.30 here in the church. And as a church family, I'd like to have you, if you can, come and support this time. Uh, They were married by the Justice of Peace, but never had a chance to have a church wedding, to have a wedding that's blessed by God. And so if you could, if at all possible, uh, if you can get back from your nature walk. I won't say anything about your lay activities in the afternoon, but if you can come and be here at 6.30 and uh, help support them. We have a little cake afterwards. Don't have to start the bread and the water yet. We can have a little cake too. So come this evening and be a part of it. Shall we pray? We're seeing in this world that we're coming rapidly to the end. You've always told us about that. We've often wondered, how is it going to take place? Sometimes we even wonder, will I even see it in our, my own lifetime? But boy, something's happening worldwide. I have great concern, not for myself, for my wife or my church family. I've got great concern about my own immediate family And I'm sure the families of others here who are spiritually not ready to live by faith. 
We want their names to be written in the book of life. We can't force them. All we can do is pray for them, and I uplift them to you in prayer right now. If there's anything that we can say or do to be able to reveal you to them, help us to say it, give us the courage. When we are to be quiet and not to push, maybe you need to push us into a corner so that we can be silent. We want your will to be done in our lives, but in theirs as well, too. Heaven is our goal. There's no way to earn it. There's no way to work ourselves to it. All we can do is put our faith and our trust in you that you will get us clear through to the end. And we have hope because of the empty grave of Jesus and because he lives, then I can face the devastation of tomorrow and know that by his grace we will live too. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.